too loud in my ears. <laughs> it's too loud. Too, the silence is too loud. In my ears. <laughs> in my ears. That's great. Hello, guys. It's hey. the Witches, Magic, Murder, and Mystery podcast. This is a side piece episode, and I am Kara. And I am Megan. I've already forgotten how to pronounce it. Antikythera. Sure. Sure? Uh-huh. Guys, listen. <laughs> words are hard. I've reached the point where at this point I just start seeking out like what's the what's how many words can I mispronounce? I, like that I think that we choose the difficult ones. Do it on purpose. Yeah. Today I wanted to do something that didn't really involve a person. I didn't want to do mm. anything sad. I'm tired of talking about right. sad things. Like right. That. Yeah. Yeah. So in my research, if mm-hmm. you all listened to last Friday's episode, then you heard me talk about that diamond mine. Yeah, that's not what this is about, but I'm just giving you an idea of the kinds of things I was reading. <laughs> so many weird, like, the weird world things. that Megan likes to mm-hmm. Google. This one is really, really bizarre. Strange. And the name of it is very difficult. Antikythera. Antikythera. Pretty sure that's right. So let's just remember that I said it right that one time. Because I don't know if it's ever going to happen. No, no, it may be different every single time. And we're going to just appreciate we'll it. Are you ready? I think so. I'm very excited. All right. Over a hundred years ago, mm-hmm. there were sponge divers out looking for sponges. How cool! In the Mediterranean Sea, that sounds dangerous and terrifying and- <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. What is in that sea? <laughs> well, one of the things that was in there, they found the wreckage of this Roman cargo ship Ooh. off the coast of Antikythera, uh-huh. which is a Greek island north of Crete. So, from 1900 to 1901. Divers retrieved various items from the wreckage and okay. brought them to the surface, okay. right? They found bronze and marble statues, Ooh. jewelry, pottery, all sorts of large artifacts. And they also found what has come to be known as the Antikythera device. Ooh. But can you imagine, like, you're just down in the ocean looking just for sponges. Looking and for you sponges. See and it's not just like a shipwreck. It's a shipwreck full of actual treasures. Treasures. I just can't imagine yeah. how incredible that would be. Yes. We don't really know why the device was on the ship, Mm -hmm. but they think that it could have been that all the things in that ship were being taken to Rome for a parade that was being put on by Julius Caesar. Oh. So think what that means. Amazing. Julius Caesar died 2,062 years ago. Yes. And they believe this device was on a ship headed to Rome for a parade that he was throwing. So they discovered this shipwreck Uh in 1900, 1901. But the shipwreck itself dates back to the first half of the first century B.C., Uh which, as everyone on the Patreon knows, Mm -hmm. means before Before chairs. chairs. Yeah, Yeah. before they even had chairs. So I bet they didn't find any on this boat. Yeah, no one knew what to do with their butts. It was very confusing. Right. It was a confusing time. Everybody's Standing all the time. Standing all the time. (laughs) Um, Standing or laying. That's all you get to do. You can also find... (laughs) The birthday video I made for you in the Facebook oh <laughs> to, to learn about BC. <laughs> anyway, so this device is super, super, super old. Yes. Which is why what I'm about to tell you That's about terrifying. is mm, I'm going to fascinating. Okay. 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 So initially when they found it, it just looked like a lump of bronze because it had been laying on the ocean floor for right. what? Who knows? 2,000 years. Yeah. And so upon examination, archaeologists were able to divide it into three flat misshapen pieces so it was these three pieces that kind of landed together and clumped together for hundreds of years okay so they could tell that it had been part of something bigger and there were bits of wood still on the fragments which means it was probably housed in some kind of wood box okay yeah 
at first, since there were so many other obvious treasures, uh-huh. you know, they've got all these statues and right. jewelry. They're just like, they're just like that's a lump little, of whatever yeah. that is. Who cares? Yeah. They just set that aside and ignored it while they okay. focused on everything else. And then like a year later, someone finally got around to looking at it. And he was like, that looks like on one of the pieces, there's like a gear wheel embedded in it. Oh. And then he was like, it looks like some type of astronomical clock. But then other scientists were like, no way, not possible. They couldn't have figured that That out. didn't exist back then. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, you know, we can look at all the other things that we found on the ship and tell what era they came from. Right. This didn't exist then. Yeah. They didn't have the capability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they put it aside because they were like, we don't know what this is and, you know, whatever. Okay. So ignored it for like 70 years. Oh, wow. So... Like I said, when they first started looking at it, they split it into three fragments. And then as they studied it, more fragments kind of broke off. Oh. Um, I think the three fragments were kind of designed to uh-huh. come apart. But then after that, not it designed, started, but they were already in three pieces right. when it, the ship broke. Yeah. And then um, started chipping away. more started breaking off. Okay. But they also found... More pieces of it when Jacques Cousteau led an expedition to the shipwreck site in the 1970s. Okay. Have I ever talked to you about Jacques Cousteau? I don't Well, it's, a, it's the weirdest random little thing that everyone now gets to hear. My dad, when I was little, he helped work on the bridges that connect the keys. I did tell you Yes. That. Yeah. Yeah. So he helped work on those bridges that connect the keys. And so he would be down there for long periods of time when we were in Kentucky. And when he came, I knew that as a kid, right? That he had done that. Right. When he came home, he would talk to me about all the stuff that he had done in Florida. Mm-hmm. And he would, like his bedtime stories, he would tell me about oh all, his, all the times he hung out with Jacques <gasps> Cousteau while he was down there. Oh, my gosh. And I'm telling you, forever, you were like, who's this crazy No, man? I didn't know it wasn't true. Like, I just oh, was yeah. like, yeah, that's what he did down there. He yeah. Jacques Cousteau. But also, I didn't know who Jacques Cousteau was, yeah, so it didn't exactly. really mean much. And then as I got older, and I hear, like, he's just, like, famous. Uh-huh. And I was like, Dad, <laughs> what is that good? And he was like, oh, my God, Megan. You thought those were true. None of those were <laughs> Really good. Really He's good at so, telling wow. stories. Yeah. So my dad, you know, explored all sorts of things with That's Jacques Cousteau. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, Jacques Cousteau found um, more pieces of it in the 1970s, still at the shipwrecks. Okay. And they've even found more pieces of it in storage. Like, they had found pieces and uh-huh. not realized those were pieces. Oh. Um, and they just no one recognized like random for what they were. Yeah. Yeah. So then they were just put away. Hello. So at this point today, there are 82 known fragments. Oh, the wow. major fragments are labeled A through G mm-hmm. and the minor fragments are 1 through 75. Okay. So those major fragments contain the majority of the mechanism right. and the inscriptions that are on it, which I'll get oh. to in a minute. Also, fragment F, which is a major fragment, mm-hmm. is one of the pieces that they've discovered in storage. What on earth? What intern <laughs> went through things was like, that's junk. We don't exactly. Need that. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, in 1971, scientists used x-ray technology to study the fragments okay. to see what was inside. Yeah. And that's when they discovered gears that have these really neat triangular teeth on them. The same as you'd find right. inside a modern day clock. Yeah. 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 And a ring divided into degrees, like a, like a protractor that you use in school, oh, you know? Yeah. This is bizarre mm-hmm. because it's so advanced. More x-ray imaging was done on the device in the 1990s, and they realized it contained 30 geared wheels. Oh, my gosh. And scientists realized you could hold the device in your hand and track the paths of the sun, <gasps> moon, and planets with impressive accuracy. Oh, my gosh. Right. 
So they figure all this out, but they're that they don't know what to do yeah. with this information. The shipwreck, like I told you, happened in the right. first half of the first century BC. Yeah. And we know this device had to have been created before the shipwreck. Yeah. And at that point, scientists believed it was manufactured sometime between 70 BC and 130 BC. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Before chairs. Before, I mean, people were really struggling back then without it. <laughs> so they just chairs. stood looking at the sky all the time. Yeah. And they were like, boom. So no other geared mechanism this complex has been found from the ancient world. In fact, not until medieval cathedral clocks were built a thousand years later. Oh my goodness. So what is it? Yeah. <laughs> and who made it? Yeah. And how? Yeah. So let's tackle the what is it first. Okay. How do I say it? And. Antikythera. Yeah. Uh-huh. The Antikythera mechanism is a 2,000-year-old hand-powered device that displayed the motion of the universe, Ooh. predicting the movement of the five known planets at the time, uh-huh. so they could just, what they could see with their naked right. eye, the phases of wild. the moon, mm-hmm, and the solar and lunar eclipses. It has been called the first known analog computer. What? It was originally housed in a wooden box about the size of a shoebox with a circular face on the front with rotating hands. There was a knob on the side that you'd use to wind it up. Oh. And you wound it by hand. Yeah. And you could wind it forward or backward, just like how you're winding a clock now. Yeah. When you turned the knob by hand, the interlocking gear wheels drove at least seven hands at various speeds. So, you know, when you wind a watch, it moves the hour yeah. hand and the second hand, the minute hand. But they move at different speeds, right? right? So the hour hand moves slower. Mm-hmm. So it's just like that, except the mechanism wasn't displaying hours, minutes, and seconds. Right. It was displaying the positions of the sun, so like moon, all the phases. Yes. Oh. Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. Oh. That was one part of it. Okay. It also had a rotating black and silver ball that showed the moon phase. <gasps> so it would like shadow it. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Two dials on the back of the case give even more information. One was a calendar and the other showed the timing of lunar and solar eclipses. Wow. The whole thing is covered in Greek inscriptions, which act as sort of a built-in user guide mm-hmm. for the device. A few of the inscriptions explain which stars rose and set on any particular day. Mm-hmm. And scientists are still currently deciphering some of the descriptions. That's so crazy. Most recently, they realized that the dials in the back have the names of all 12 months. And what? they're in the Corinthian language. Oh, yeah. So I'll get to that in a minute. But it's a really ancient language. Yeah. Inscriptions also show that the calendar is organized into four-year cycles, which was common for the Greeks because every Mm -hmm. four years they had the Olympiad, which was common for the Greeks because every four years they had the Olympiad, which was the predecessor to our Olympic Games. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It also, there was some other athletic festival that they marked time with, and it was Mm -hmm. included on this device, too. I just can't think of what the name is, and apparently I didn't record it. That's fine. It's fine. Yeah. There's a star almanac on the front of the device that we still don't really understand, and mm-hmm. they're still trying to figure yeah. it out. So we don't know if the Antikythera mechanism was a toy, a teaching tool, uh-huh. or if it was used for something else. Right. Now, who made it? Aliens, right? Aliens. I mean, it had to be aliens. <laughs> I mean, not according to science, but yeah, according to me. Right. And yeah. And us. And the all of you. Ancient aliens. Yeah. And that person with the wild hair on ancient aliens probably knows all about this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the bath salts guy. Yes. I mean, real quick, I just wanted to say, I was going to talk about this at the beginning, but I really love it when we get into real science-y topics like this <laughs> that are also questionable. Yeah. Like, I wasn't going to talk about the diamond mine thing because right. it's easily explainable, but yeah. this isn't. 
And I also enjoy that we have a podcast that's got like witches and magic in the title, uh-huh. but we also talk real about science. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. You can, no. You can enjoy all of it and believe in all exactly. of it. It's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Kara. Yes, Megan. I have been seeing all over TikTok these hair straighteners. Ever since I got my hair cut, I still feel like I'm learning how to do my hair all over mm-hmm. again. Let me tell you, I have found one that works really well. It's um, from Tymo, uh-huh. T-Y-M-O. Yes. And it is the company for getting the best type of straightener for everything your hair could possibly need. It's all over social media right now with products from $59.99 to top of the line straighteners. Each of their products are built to last and have so many options for whatever your hair needs are. So Karen and I received a couple of the products. Oh we gosh. got a so straightener and a blow dryer. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the straightener because that's the one that I have used. It has a cordless design, which makes it so right. handy. You traveled with it. Yes. So it's great for getting a good hair reset on the go because it's so portable and convenient. It's called the Porta. It has this 3D comb design, which is enhanced by cutting edge NCH anionic technology. So you brush it through your hair, it straightens as it goes, and it pushes against this ceramic plate that gives a frictionless glide that promises to curb frizz by 50%. And I've totally seen that because my hair gets frizzy and this just really smooths it out. I really loved it. Okay. So I got the air hype. I'm obsessed with it. I have just like naturally curly wavy hair so it was a huge game changer for me it dries your hair in half the normal time and it keeps your hair safe and shiny which i noticed immediately mm-hmm. i didn't even need to straighten it afterwards and usually i do because usually i have all those wild like curls left over yeah. the wind power on this thing is intense it's wild like i turned it up i was like let's play with these buttons okay so it has three magnetic styling attachments they're all amazing you know how some blow dryers you get are like if you go to a hotel and there's a diffuser and you're like oh my gosh this is like tearing my hair to pieces and it's gonna be so tangled not with this one and it's magnetic so it's great so right now you guys our listeners can get 30 percent off their first order at timobeauty.com t-y-m-o beauty.com using the code WMM30. So that's just two M's. You guys know our codes usually have three. So just keep that in mind. So with so many great products to choose from, now's the time to upgrade your styling and curling kit. So go to tymobeauty.com and use the code WMM30 for 30% off your first purchase. Goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, so I told you that the months, the names on the months. Yes. It's Corinthian. Yeah. That's what we're getting to. Thank you for yes. reading my mind. And it suggests the device, or at least whoever created it, originated in Corinth. And mm-hmm. this implies a connection to Archimedes. Oh. Why am I doubting it all of a sudden? I don't know. Archimedes. Yes. So he lived in that area uh-huh. and is known to have calculated the motions of the moon yes. and the known planets. And he wrote a manuscript, which has since been lost, but it was on astronomical mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Now, he died in 212 B.C. It's probably in the Voynich manuscript. I'm, I mean, maybe it's all together. Yeah. <laughs> so he died in 212 B.C., which would mean if they're right about when this device was created, he may not have been around uh-huh. um, for when this particular device was made. But here's the other thing. What? The Antikythera device is so advanced and so high quality that scientists are like... They had to have started somewhere. Yes. There had to have been predecessors yeah. to this device like that we've just never gotten to right. see. Because there's no way they created such a perfectly done astronomical clock yeah. like this on their very first try. Right. One scientist said, we believe that this mechanism cannot have been the first such device since it is so sophisticated and complex. And we don't understand why this extraordinary technology apparently disappeared for several hundred years 
later to emerge in the great astronomical clocks of the 14th century onwards. Hmm. You do find several references to similar devices mentioned in classical literature, including a description of one made by Archimedes. But this one is the only surviving example that we've ever found. And I think before this, they kind of thought, well, it's just written down. It could just all be, Mm -hmm. who knows what's real. So whether this particular one was designed by Archimedes, we don't know, at least not at this point. But it's believed that the instrument was designed and created by Greek scientists. And they haven't really even reached a true consensus on exactly when. Mm. But it's a ballpark of 100 BC, give or take 30 years. Okay. So no matter when, it's way before... Cheers. <laughs> Way before they should have been able to. Right. Just this year, actually, researchers proposed that the initial calibration date, like when it would have been made uh-huh. and they like started the calendar, may have been December 23rd, 178 BC. Ooh. But then other researches, researchers are like, How no, it couldn't that? have yeah. been. So you don't really know. Regardless, it was long, long before what we'd previously assumed was the time when mankind had this sort of capability. Mm-hmm. They weren't clubbing people or dinosaurs. (laughs) (laughs) And like that guy I quoted before, they apparently had this capability Uh and then stopped. Right. And it never showed up again until the astronomical clocks of Richard of Wallingford and Giovanni di Dondi in the 14th century. So the calculations and technology used to create the elliptical paths of the planets and the retrograde motion of the moon and Mars by using a clockwork type gear train with the addition of a pin and slot mechanism so crazy predates that of the first known clocks by more than a thousand years it's wild it's like they did all this and uh-huh. then what happened right because typically we have advances and then we build on them yes and they didn't it's just maybe because it didn't get shared I it was lost in the sea and they were trying to take it to be like, look at our invention. Because what if that was one of the things? It was like a round table of like, bring your inventions. Mm-hmm. And they're like, look what we have. But then, Or maybe they were using that just to try, one. Right? I mean, that's what I can't. It doesn't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So it's not even like they had the capability and it stood still. Yeah. It's like they had the capability and it and they did nothing. Right. And then it's gone. Mm-hmm. They completely stopped creating these complex geared devices yeah oh a cool thing about how it tracked the moon so the moon as it rotates or as it orbits the earth it moves at different speeds Uh it's called kepler's law of planetary motion this difference in speed is modeled by the antikythera mechanism Mm -hmm. even though ancient greeks were not aware of the actual elliptical shape of the orbit so they had these two gears linked with a slightly offset axis okay and that accounted for this difference in speed oh wow Kepler's law was not established until the early 1600s. Right. And it's not necessarily that they knew the law. Mm-hmm. It's just through all the observation yeah, and the math, it. Yeah. they realized it moves at different speeds. <laughs> and somehow... It being one person's job to just monitor that. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm picturing the little old man at the top of um, Nightmare Before Christmas and his little yeah. turret just <laughs> watching just him. Yeah. But, like... They realized it moved at different speeds, and then not only that, they realized how to make a mathematical equation to predict all of right. it. Right. And then furthermore, yeah, they figured out how to create a device that would be able to, to replicate that, that motion. Like, yeah. it's insane. Yeah. So the main mystery of this is, how was it created around 100 BC, mm-hmm. a thousand years before we ever see this type exactly. of technology again? Yeah. And... 
well, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Like what? And we don't know like right where, what happened? What's what, how? Currently, all known pieces of the device are kept at the National Archaeological Museum in Athens. Okay. And they're... Is it Athens? Athens. <laughs> Athens Let's were. say it again. <laughs> we have an Athens, Kentucky here, you guys. So, of course we do. We of also course. have um, Versailles instead yes, of Versailles. Versailles yep. But let's say... Let me say that whole sentence let's again the right way. Let's do it. Um, it is currently housed at the National Archaeological Museum in Athens. Mm-hmm. And there continue to be dives in the area in the hopes of finding more of the oh, device. So they're still looking. My gosh. And they did find, you know, they originally discovered it in 1900, but then Jacques Cousteau found more in the 70s. Right. So, so we possible. need to go to Greece. Yeah. So I just put here, so aliens? Yeah, for sure. The other possibility is that, and I think it's a human trait to do this, uh-huh. we just sort of automatically assume that we are the top of everything right and we just are like oh people back then they didn't know like right. we're the smartest right. we are the most technology technologically advanced yes but um, what if it was like a star child what if the aliens communicated or what if the gods were aliens or are aliens mm-hmm. what if they communicated with the people and were like hey mm-hmm. here here's, you go here's, here's my knowledge you can track the stars yeah i mean I also think it's highly likely that we just don't give ancient people enough oh credit gosh, for yeah. how smart they were. Yeah. Because, yes, we are very technologically advanced, but, like, the technology we're creating, it just makes it so our brains don't have to exactly. work as hard. Yes. And I feel like it's making us dumber. Mm-hmm. You hardly have to stop and figure things out anymore. You can just Google. Exactly. Literally anything you want to yeah. know. <laughs> we do it often. Yeah. How do you pronounce this? Yeah. <laughs> and it's really something to think about as far as as our brains evolve. We're not, I don't know, are we using as much of that? I don't know. I mean, yeah, not a scientist, but <laughs> it's really interesting to me to think about how I how think our things phones have evolved, think but for us have now. they really? Yeah. Yeah. Technology has evolved. Right. Has evolved. But what about our brains? Exactly. Also, I don't know that very many of us have the patience to do <laughs> the kind of right. long, deep thought yeah. that they would have done. Like, who's going to stare at the sky uh-huh. and figure things out? Yeah. You well, know? willow <laughs> for sure so yeah i don't know i think it's just an interesting thing to think about like what the heck what a cool story i mean That's not even just that it was created but also the yeah. whole thing about how they stopped making like they didn't right. even make clocks like they just right and my my thought is what if it was they were like inventors but it was like a secret uh-huh. and nobody knew about it except for these specific people traveling with this party to Caesar or whatever Mm -hmm. to go to these events and all of a sudden the shipwrecks and these people are no longer, they didn't share this information Mm -hmm. with anybody and it's gone. I mean, the whole thing of their had to have been predecessors to it. It makes me wonder about like what happened to those, but if there were only a few, Mm -hmm. some articles kind of try to suggest that maybe these were a lot of people, a lot of Greeks had these and used them. But I'm like, I mean, I feel like if they were really widespread, surely we would would have discovered at least one more by now. Relics around, yeah. You would think. The other thing would be maybe pieces were found, but they were just dismissed as like... Yeah, and then they just got rid of garbage. Because how the main thing that happened here is it was very simple to Mm -hmm. be like, we know exactly what time period this came from. Right. If they found it in a different place, I wonder if they might have been like, well, it's not that old. Yeah. Or something. Maybe. Again, not a scientist. Yeah. But I really loved it as I read about it. it That's so mind. cool. And the whole thing, too, about how the people who work on it now mm-hmm. are handling a thing. 
that were made before chairs that existed <laughs> over 2,000 years ago. You're it's holding wild. a thing that is over 2,000 years old. Mm-hmm. Like, I love old things. Oh my, my grandparents gosh. sold yes. antiques, so yeah. I have a thing about old things. I yeah. would much rather have something old. Yeah, with character. Yes, that's mm-hmm. been passed through and has stories yeah. attached to it. Even if I don't know the stories, like right. somebody owned and loved this thing at some point. Yes. Somebody put a whole or several somebody's put a whole lot of mm-hmm. thought and care into creating this really incredible yeah. device. It's and wild. now there are people who are looking at it and baffled. Yeah. I just love it. That's I love amazing. the way this thing is almost it. like yes. a time travel. Yeah. Right. Because it exists now, and it gives us this brand new bit of information. It, yeah. That no one would have known without it. Right. Oh, that's so crazy. Okay, so. I love that. You guys want to hop in the Facebook group and chat about what tell you think Tell us what you is, think it is. And that it's definitely aliens. That'd be great. Yes, tell <laughs> us that it's all the aliens. Okay, that's it. We love you so much. Goodbye. Goodbye.